You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. We all have a lot to be afraid of in this world, don't we? There's a lot of things that come away, a lot of problems that come our way that we are not expecting. The other night, I was actually sitting on my couch, and uh, my family had already all gone up to bed, and my wife shouted down. I was just getting up to go get in bed, and she shouted out and said, hey, make sure and take out the trash. Take out the trash outside, go put it in the can, and so I was like, okay, you know, I'm just trying to come to bed. I'm tired, but I'll take care of this real quick. One last thing for the day. And so I went and got that trash bag, and I'm one of those people, some people have house slippers, they've got, they'll slip on shoes, go outside, I'm a barefoot man, I'll just go out there barefoot, I don't need any shoes, I'm like, me, me man, me wild, I just walk on anything, okay? And so I walk out there with my trash bag, my, my white undershirt and shorts, and I'm walking out there in the dark, walking between my cars, and as I get to the corner of my house, I hear a rustling going on around my trash cans, and I'm like, oh no not the raccoon. We have a neighborhood raccoon. And uh, for my neighbors, if he hasn't hit you yet, he should. He's hit me enough times. All right. So, but I hear a rustling. I'm like, it's the raccoon, not the raccoon. And, but I'm already like right next to the trash can. And so I'm like, all I got to do is slowly turn around and go inside because I don't want to get into a battle with this raccoon. I'm not wearing any shoes. All right, I'm going to go get my shoes, and then I'll take this raccoon on. All right, and so I begin to turn around. As I'm turning around, I look, and I see two beady eyes staring at me from right underneath my trash can lid. And I'm like, it's too late. He saw me. He saw me, and as soon as he sees me, he jumps down out of the trash can and starts heading my way. And I'm like, no, 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 not my toes. You know, I'm like, I'm worried about my feet, dude. I'm worried about rabies, him nibbling on my feet or something like that. And so I'm backing up and he comes straight for the bag that I have in my hand and starts jumping up on it. I'm like, dude, it's yours. I'm like, I'm out of here. I go inside and I get my shoes on. I'm like, it's time for battle. I'm going to take this thing on. I put my shoes on. I go outside. I actually open my garage and I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that likes to just beat random animals for no reason, but I will fight this thing. And so what's the best tool that I have in my garage that I can battle this raccoon with? I grab my big leaf rake. And I'm like, this will be perfect. This is, I can at least swat at him and hit him, and I'm not going to like kill him or something like that. I'm just going to chase him off. And so I take that thing, and I'm like, I'm, I'm yelling at him, get, get out of here. And he just like, you know, he just like, he's just having a great time. And I take that right, and I even swat at him, hit him. He rolled over and got back up and came back over again. I'm like, what is wrong with you, raccoon? And finally, he starts charging at my feet, and I just take that rake, and I just kind of mash him down to the ground with it. Those things are strong. Do you guys know how strong those raccoons are? They're strong. And I mash him down, and finally, I'm like, no, you're not coming near me. You're not coming inside my garage. I mean, I just kind of pushed him out towards the grass. And he finally, finally, after about a 30-minute battle with this creature, he finally figured out, I'm not going to win this battle, and scurried on down the road. He finally left. But in that whole story, I had a point where as soon as I got out there, I'm barefoot, I'm holding a bag of trash, and I hear him moving around. I thought for a second, you know what? 
if I'm just quiet enough and I just walk away, you know, slowly enough, this problem will just go away. I'll deal with it in the morning. It's something, it's a problem I don't want to deal with right now. I want to go get in bed. I'm tired. I don't want to do a 30-minute battle with a raccoon. I want to go to sleep. And so many times in our own lives, we have problems that come our way and we just hope they just pass us. We hope that they just kind of, if we can kind of quietly just kind of tuck away and hide away from, that they'll just go by and we'll, we'll go on with our days unscathed by that problem. But the truth is, problems hit us all around. Problems are coming our way. Our world loves to focus on fear and circumstances going on in our life. It loves to focus on it. You see the news. If you watch the news long enough, I've got to be careful myself because I get depressed watching the news because every single virus out there can kill you. And they've got terrorist attacks. They've got bombing. They've got nuclear war. They've got all these things, global warming. All these things are coming your way. And the world loves to focus on fear. How many of you remember Y2K? That was a big deal, wasn't that? They freaked out like crazy on the news. Y2K, the computers are not going to be able to compute the number 2000. And so after that, we're going to have power outages and possibly nuclear missiles are going to just fire on their own and everything's just going to go haywire. And guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> 20 years later, nothing happened. Then we had 2012 come out. The Mayan calendar ended. And obviously that must mean the end of the world. They even made a movie about it. It's a great movie because the world's going to end in 2012 because the Mayans are so smart and they know so much that obviously this is going to happen. But my question was always this. If they were so smart, where are they? Just saying, our world loves to focus on fear. And maybe you're here this morning and your great fear is not nuclear attack. Maybe you're here this morning and your great fear is not global warming, but you do have a fear that is affecting your life. You do have a fear that is a legitimate fear. It's nothing to, it has nothing to do with these big things, but it's a legitimate fear. And so in this series, what I want to promise is this. Through this series, No Fear November, I'm going to promise you that I'm not going to stand up here and say, shut up, stop complaining, get over it. That's not what we're going to do through this series. I know many times we can hear messages like that. Just, just stop. We're not going to do that this morning. That's not going to be the focus of this series when it comes to fear and our life. Because many of us, we have legitimate issues. For some of us, maybe we don't know if we're still going to have our job by the end of the year. For others of us, we've got past history that likes to creep up and affect our life. And so we are afraid that people will find out about our past. We're afraid people will know what we've done. We're afraid that it's going to affect our future. Many of us, we have legitimate fears that we're dealing with. And I'm not going to look at you this morning and through these next several weeks and go, you think your situation's bad? you got to hear this story. We're not going to do that. That's not what this is going to be about. For you... Your overwhelming situation, whatever you're going through, if you let it, it will always be overwhelming. That fear in your life will always, always overwhelm you if you let it. Or you can overcome it. 
And that's what I want to focus on this morning. This morning, I'm not going to give you seven steps to get over fear and promise you that after this message, you're going to walk out of here with no fear. That's not what I'm going to promise you. But what I want to do is this. Are you guys ready for this? Focus in on here. What I want to do this is I want to shift our focus from our situation, from our circumstance to Christ. That's what I want us to do this morning. That's what I want us to really take away. That's what I want to focus in on this morning, to shift our focus from whatever we're going through, that fear that we're dealing with, and shift our focus to the Savior. Because when you do that, it changes everything. This morning, if you have your service guide, go and pull that out. Follow along with us. We're one of those crazy churches. We take notes because we actually want you to come and change. We want to change. We don't want to come and be the same. And so follow along with us in your notes. The first thing I want you to write down is this, and we don't have it up on our screen, but write this down. What gets our attention will ultimately determine our direction. What gets our attention will ultimately determine our direction. That means what you focus on, what you think about, what you talk about will consume you. And if you allow that circumstance to consume your life, it's going to determine the direction you go. It's going to determine the choices you make. It's going to determine the direction of your life. But if we move our focus from this overwhelming situation, this overwhelming circumstance, and we put it on Christ, everything begins to change. When we focus on our circumstances, all it brings us is fear. All it brings us is anxiety and worry and depression. But when we focus our attention to Christ will experience joy, will experience hope. And I think one of the things that people are really looking for nowadays is we'll experience peace. What are you focusing on this morning? I know for some of you this may seem simple, but really what I'm trying to do through this is I'm trying to just give you a preview of what we're going to be talking about the next four weeks. Yeah, it might seem simple, but man, it can change everything. It can change everything. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're like, Caleb, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through and what I'm having to deal with. Maybe you're right. Maybe I don't. But we're going to look at God's word. And we're going to see what he says when it comes to overcoming these things in your life, overcoming these circumstances. Because this morning, if you don't, and you focus on those things, you focus on that fear, it will overwhelm you. I can guarantee it. You focus on it, it will overwhelm you. This morning, I'm going to look at two main ideas to help us shift our focus from our circumstance to Christ. And the first idea I want to look at is this. Write this down. God is greater. God is greater. Some of you are like, wow, that was deep right there. Did you study on that all week? God is greater? That was wow. I know it's simple, but there's so much truth behind it. There's so much that we really don't understand when it comes to it. And it's easy to be skeptical about this, this statement, but God is greater. He truly is. Before we dive into our story that we're going to read this morning, I want to give you some background of what's going on. We see in the year 605 BC, the empire of Babylon invades Israel. And during this invasion, we see over 100,000 people are killed during this invasion. 
And what they would do is they would come in and they would take certain people as slaves. They would take certain people as slaves and collect them and bring them back with them. They invade this city. And the one thing I want you to know about this invasion is that God allowed it. This invasion that Babylon did on Israel, God allowed it to happen. He did. How could God allow something like that to happen? Well, I want you to understand this, and we've talked about Israel's history a little bit in the past. Israel's history is like a broken record. They're God's chosen people. And the reason they're God's chosen people is because God decided to use them as a pathway to bring the Savior into the world to bring Jesus into the world so that he could live and then die on a cross and be crucified for you and for for us and for you and for me and to save the world. He uses them. He chooses them to create this path for the Savior. But what we see happen throughout the history of Israel is this. They would be in a low point like they would be in slavery. We see them in slavery in Egypt. And then God steps in and he removes them from their situation. He delivers them from their slavery and he brings them to a place of prominence. And guess what? Over time, God begins to bless them because they get closer and closer to God in their relationship. And God blesses them with land and he blesses them with with, uh, wealth. He blesses them with livestock, all the things that made a person wealthy back then. God would bless them more and more and more. And we see Israel would eventually get to a point in their blessing that they thought they didn't need God anymore. Hey, God, you know, we're doing really good. Man, look look at all that we've done, man. We don't really need you, God. We don't need you. We've done all this by ourselves. We've become very responsible, God. And so, you know what? We want to do this on our own. We want to do this without you. That's what they would tell God. And so they would stop following God. And God would send prophets, and prophets would tell them, come back to God, come back to God, return to God. And guess what they would do? No, we want to do this on our own. We're going to do this our own way. God would warn them. But I want you to understand something. In the story of Israel and their relationship with God, even God eventually reaches a point where he has a breaking point. God would warn them. He would give them chance after chance, but even him, would reach a point where he said, you know what? If you want to do this your own, on your own, you're going to be on your own. He wouldn't do anything to them, but he would remove his protection. We see this as a broken record over and over. Israel does this very scenario. God, we don't need you. And God removes his protection. And it's easy for us to think this morning, you know what? That happened in the Bible. That happened a long time ago. That's not going to have anything to do with us. But I want you to understand, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, there's been a time where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then guess what? You're God's people. We are God's people. We are His people. We're His children. And I want you to understand this. If you begin to think, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. God, I really don't need you. I can do this life on my own. I think i got some things figured out. God has a breaking point. God has a breaking point. And if you think you can do it yourself, guess what? He'll let you do it yourself. And can I take it a step further? That's a dangerous way to live. That's a dangerous way to live. Because when you think you can do it yourself, guess what? What's so dangerous about it is that your death would possibly bring more glory to God than your life. 
God would use your death as an opportunity to bring more glory to him than anything you could do in your whole life. And maybe that's where you are today. You're thinking you can do it on your own. That's a dangerous way to live. Because God might use your death in a way that you never expected to bring him glory because your life isn't really doing it. Why? Why would God do that? Because God's not focused on this life. The Bible tells us our life is but a vapor. It's so quick, it's over before we know it. It's but a vapor. God's focus is not on this life. God's focus is on eternity, on reaching more and more people and bringing them into the kingdom so that they can live in eternity forever with him. That's God's focus. And we need to understand is that, you know what? You may say, I want to do this on my own. If you say that, guess what? He might say, all right, go ahead, do it. Be on your own. That's what happens with Israel. Israel says, guys, we don't, we don't need you anymore. We don't need you. We can do this on our own. And God says, okay, do it on your own. Let's see what happens. And we see Babylon takes control. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1 verse 3 is where we're going to pick up this story with Israel turning its back on God and Babylon taking control. Daniel chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Then the king, the king is Nebuchadnezzar right here. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, just like Caleb. Nobody caught that? Okay. You guys need to pay attention. Wake up. And skillful in all wisdom. Now we know it's not talking about me. Endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of the uh, end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called uh, Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, to give you an idea of what's going on right here is when Babylon would invade a, a nation, when they invade a country, what they would do is they would come in and they would handpick the best and the brightest, the best and the brightest, and they would take them back with them to their country. They would take them captive and make them slaves and bring them back to where they live, and they would make them slaves. And everyone else... Everyone else that wasn't chosen, they would be left behind that nation and they would be killed. But he's killed everyone else. Only a hand few that they would take. And we see Daniel is one of those that's taken into slavery. We see his family and his friends are killed. On this journey to Babylon, he's taken over two deserts. I mean, this is not a quick journey. This is a huge, long journey. They change his name. They change his clothes. They turn his life upside down completely. And I'm not telling you this to downplay your situation. I'm not telling you this about Daniel to say, hey, you think your issue's bad? Look at Daniel's life. Man, his life really got messed up. That's not what I'm trying to say right here. What I'm saying is this. Daniel understood something about God in this circumstance. Daniel understood something about God in his situation. And if we could understand what Daniel knew right here, it would change our situation. 
Look at verse 8. says this, but Daniel. Those, ver- those words right there, I want you to remember that. But Daniel. That's, that's going to be huge for what we're talking about. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, right here, I, I always had a hard time understanding this. So his, his whole family has been killed. He's been taken from his own country. He's been on this long journey over two deserts. He finally gets there, and they're like, hey, man, we got some steak and wine for you. Go and sit down and have a great meal. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. What? You just went through these crazy circumstances, and they're offering you this awesome meal? I've already told you, I love a place called Texas Day Brazil where they just feed you meat the whole time. You wouldn't do that, Daniel? Daniel's like, no, I'm not going to eat this meat. He even tells the chief eunuch, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to eat it. And I've always wondered why. Why would he not eat that meat? Well, if you study the Babylonian culture, you find that all the food that they ate was dedicated to their gods and their idols. Every bit of food that they ate and drank was dedicated to their idols, their gods that they worshiped. And so for Daniel to choose to eat this, it was the same as saying, hey, I honor your God and I honor your idols. No, for Daniel and his life right here, he chose not to do that. He chose to draw the line and pretty much say, you know what, you can change my clothes. You can change my name. You can kill my family. But I am not going to acknowledge any other God. I'm not going to do that. I'm drawing the line right here. You've pushed me to my limit. In other words, guess what? My God is greater than any of the circumstances that I'm going through. I've lost so many people. You've tried to change my identity completely. And now you're trying to get me to honor a different God? These other lowercase g gods, I'm not going to do that. I'm drawing the line. My God is greater than any circumstances that I'm going through. Daniel got that. Daniel understood that in his life. His God's greater. Our God is greater. And some of you as Christians here this morning, you still don't get that. Daniel understood it. But for some of you, you don't get it. You don't understand what's going on here. Can I say this? Is is what you're going through, is what you're afraid of, and what you're struggling with, is it real? Yes. Is it terrible? Yes. Is it heartbreaking? Yes. But at the end of the day, my God is greater than what I'm going through. My God is greater than anything that I'm going to face and go against. Not only that, I think what's so cool about this right here is today, what book did we read from today? Did we read from the book of Belteshazzar? We didn't. We read from the book of Daniel. Daniel, his name, it was something they tried to change. And in that culture, and the Babylonian culture, when they change your name, it's pretty much changing your entire identity. Daniel, which means God judges me. Belteshazzar means Baal saved my life. (laughs) That's what that means. And he's like, you know what? Baal is an idol, a god of Babylon, but Daniel was never going to take the identity of a slave right here. They could try to change his name. They tried to do that. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to take on that identity. I'm not going to take on this identity of a slave. You want to call me Belteshazzar, knock yourself out, but I'm not going to take that identity. And I think that's so important right here because if we don't want to be overwhelmed, we can't take the identity of that which enslaves us. 
We can't take the identity of that which used to enslave us in our past. I know too many Christians that are walking around in their life, and instead of identifying as a Christian, they identify as an addict. Oh, you know, they, they started their conversations. Well, you know, I'm an addict. And I used to go, you know what? No, you're not. You're a child of the king. You know, if you want to keep walking around and identifying with this fear, if you want to let that past slavery define you, then guess what? You'll continue to be a slave of that past. If you let that be your defining moment, if you let that be what you are defined as, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, you're a child of the king. We need to understand that's who we are. That's what we should be defined as. For some of us, this is a big one. Because what you start out with is all your baggage. You start out with all your, you know, I'm damaged goods. God, you know, Jesus would never accept me. Well, you've defined who you are then. You've defined who you are. If you're a Christian, you're a child of the king. Quit defining yourself by all these other things. For some of you, you're here this morning and you wonder why you've never overcome that thing that enslaves you. Because you still let it define you to today. Daniel refused to have his name changed to something that defined him as a slave. You know, people, I think it's so funny. People today, they let things control them that they don't have to. They let things control them that they don't have to. I'll give you an example. Uh, the other day I was sitting on the couch again. I do a lot of sitting on the couch in my stories, so just prepare yourself for that. <laughs> I know, it makes me sound very lazy. Um, I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden I heard my wife and my kids squeal down in our basement. And I'm like, what is going on? Amanda's like, Caleb, get down here! And I'm like, okay, I'm coming. And I know what it is. There's a spider down there. Anytime she's down there, she starts screaming, it's a spider. And anytime, and, and, and as I'm walking down the stairs, I hear the same phrase over and over again. It's huge. Oh my goodness. It's the biggest spider I've ever seen. Get down here. Caleb, hurry. We can't do anything. We're trapped. I mean, it's just, you think they're dying down there. And I go down there and, and in my mind, I've already created like this idea of how big the spider is. I've seen some tarantulas that are like pretty big. As a kid in Texas, I watched a tarantula about this big crawl down the road. And me, 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 me and my brothers were like, wow, this is awesome. Like we watched, we followed it for like a mile. It was huge, fuzzy. And that's what I'm thinking. She's like, this spider is huge. It's like a tarantula. And my kids are like, yeah, it's huge, daddy. Come get it. And I get down there. And it's about the size of a nickel. I'm like, that's a huge spider to you? That's a big one? And I always walk up and go, all right, I'm done. See ya. Why do they let this thing, this tiny little thing, have this power over them when they actually have power over it? They have all the power they need. That spider is this tiny little creature. I always try to teach my kids, that spider is more afraid of you than you are of it. It's trying to get away from you. Why is it that people today, we run from things that we have power over? And maybe you're here today and you're running from something. But the truth is, in Christ, you have power over it. You're running and running and running. And you have all that you need to overcome it. You have Christ in you. Why? Because our God is greater. Our God is greater and maybe today you still don't believe that. How can you make that a reality? How could you make that a reality in your life? You want to know how you make that a reality in your life? Take your focus off of your circumstance 
and put it on Christ. Because what you dwell on and what you focus on will direct the focus of your life. Put it on Christ. God is greater. Secondly, write this down. God is able. God is able. I know, another deep one. Woo, God is able. A few years ago, I became a truck owner. And something happens when you become a truck owner. You all of a sudden believe that your truck can do anything. You can haul anything. You can load anything. I mean, I, I really have put my truck to the limit. And it's not even a four-wheel drive truck. It's two wheels. I have loaded some of the craziest stuff in there. I literally walk around and I listen. I've become one of those crazy truck people. I'm sorry. I listen for phrases like, hey, that doesn't fit. We don't have enough room. Oh, you don't have enough room? My truck's got plenty of room. You want to put it in the back? I become a crazy truck person, all right? But why do I think that about my truck? My truck is able. Why do I think my truck is so able? Man, I can put that thing to the test and every single time it lives up to it. I'm a, I'm a crazy truck person. What if we believe that about God? That our God is able to do anything. We put that kind of faith into stuff. We put that kind of faith into things. What if we believe that God was able to do anything? What if we believe that God was able to walk us through and pull us through any circumstance that we might be coming, that we might find ourselves in? Any circumstance that might be overcoming us. What if we believe that God was able to walk us through it? How that would change our life. You want to understand about what I want you to understand about Daniel's story is God didn't show up one day, like a week before Babylon invaded. And he wasn't like, hey, Daniel, I just want to let you know. In a couple of weeks, you're going to become a slave. And they're going to try to change your name. They're going to change your clothes. They're going to change all this stuff about you. They're going to try to make you eat this food that's going to honor some other gods. And I want you not to do that, all right? I want you to say no. And when you say no, guess what? Then I'm going to name a book of the Bible after you, buddy. Kids are going to name, be named after you. What a great name, Daniel. People are going to name their children after you. All these great things are going to happen. Your name is going to be famous. Did God do that? He didn't. Daniel didn't see this invasion coming. Daniel didn't know what was going to happen. All Daniel knew is that going through his circumstances, and all Daniel knew is going through circumstances, trying to define, uh, circumstances that are trying to define and overwhelm him, he knew that my God is able and he can pull me through any of this. No matter what circumstance I go through, no matter what comes my way, my God is able. I want you to understand this. This is before they had the Bible. Daniel wasn't reading the Bible every day. They didn't have the Bible. And Daniel understood this. He knew my God is able. Look at verse 9 as we keep going with the story. It says this, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king Nebuchadnezzar, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? 
So you would endanger my head with the king. Basically, the king wants you to eat this certain food because he wants his future slaves and servants to be healthy. He wants you to be strong. And so, man, he's going to pump this protein into you and make you guys super strong. Man, you guys are going to be really, really healthy slaves. And Daniel says, no, this is what I'm going to do. Help me out with this. I'm not going to eat any of that food. I'm going to eat vegetables and I'm going to drink water. That's all I'm going to do. That's his request that he makes to this, this uh, eunuch right here, this chief of the eunuchs. And this chief, this overseer is like, if I do that, if I let you do this, the king's going to see that you're weaker than everybody else. The king's going to see that you're not as buff, you're not as strong, that you're not as healthy as the rest of these slaves that we've captured. And when he finds that out, guess, who's he's, guess who he's coming after? He's not coming after you, Belteshazzar. He's coming after me. Because it was my job to make sure that you got strong. It was my job that you, that you, to make sure that you ate that food. He's going to kill me. For some of you, you hear this part, you're like, how does this apply to me? What's this got to do with me? Can I tell you this? As soon as you take your focus off of your circumstance, off of your situation, and you place it on Christ, it won't be long you'll have people in your life that ask you, what are you doing? Why are you focusing on this Jesus? Why are you focusing on going to church every day? Why are you focused on all these things? What are you doing? Man, you're going through a hard time. You might as well just go with the flow. Do what everyone else is doing. Blend in. Focus on this problem. This is a big deal in your life. You're so focused on Jesus? You better mark it. As soon as you take your focus off of your problem, off of your situation, off of your fear, and you put it on Christ, people are going to try to get you to compromise. Daniel knew that. He knew that God, but Daniel knew that God would get more glory standing for his conviction instead of compromising. Daniel knew if he stood up for what was right, and as Christians today, can I tell you this? We don't need any more Christians that are willing to compromise. We don't need any more Christians who are willing just to blend in and go with the flow. Can I tell you this? We've got plenty of that. We got plenty of people playing that game. We need some people to stand up for what they believe. We need some people to stand up on convictions and for what God says. The Bible tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. We got so many Christians, they're in the world and of the world. That's their life. That's what they do. That's their focus. And when you're in the world and of the world, I tell you this, you're no use for God. You're no use for him. He can't use you. He can't do anything with you. Many of you, you've got friends. You've got family members. You have coworkers. And they need you to stand up. They need you to, they depend on you to not compromise, to not blend in, to not go with the flow. Think about your own story. If you're a Christian this morning, think about your own story. Someone was willing to stand up on their convictions for you. Someone was willing to help you meet Christ. Daniel got this right here. Daniel understood God's going to get more glory by me standing up instead of just compromising. Because God is not threatened by our circumstances. He's not. Look at verse 11. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. 
Let us be, be, uh, be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for, for 10 days. Let me just give you an idea of what's going on here. Just it, uh, Daniel says, here, just let us do this for 10 days. Let's do a little trial and see what happens. And if we're not in better shape, if we're not as, a, as in good a shape as the rest of the guys, you come and do whatever you want with us. But just give us 10 days. Give us 10 days to give God a chance and do what he's going to do. Verse 15, and at the, ten, at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. Can I tell you this? That statement right there doesn't work with your wives, guys, so just don't do that, all right? You are looking really good and fatter in flesh. <laughs> doesn't work. Don't do it. All right, where was I? Then all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Man, they took a stand. These young men, Daniel and these young men, they took a stand and said, nothing is going to stop us from following God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I wish, I just wish God would use me. I just wish God would do something with me. He would just use my life. And God's like, what are you doing right now? What are you doing with your life right where you are right now? God's already given you something. He's already given you responsibility. He's already given you things to do. And I see so many Christians, God, if you would just use me, I would do something. You know what? You can understand God's waiting for you to move. God's waiting for you to take a step because when you move, God will give the opportunity. God will open the door. Look at verse 18. We see at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Azariah. And therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them. And he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his Kingdom, And we skip verse 17 because I'm going too fast. Verse 17 says this, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Do you see what's going on here? They take a stand for God and God begins to bless them. He begins to give them skills that they did not have before. They were willing to stand up and God creates this opportunity and he brings them before Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar sees that they are so much better than all these other youth. They're so much better because they were willing to stand up. Daniel stood up for his God. Daniel stood up for his beliefs. And God delivered Daniel from his, not from his circumstance, but through his circumstance. We've got to understand that today. There's too many Christians that think, hey, if I just follow God, God's just going to pull me out of my circumstance and I'm not going to have to deal with it. That's not how it works. That's not what he does. That's not true at all. Well, I was here this morning, Caleb, and I said, God is greater and God is able. And now God should just snap his fingers and everything's going to go away. All my problems are going to go away. Nah, it's not going to happen like that. We got to notice that Daniel 
even standing up for what he believed, even standing up for God, and God walking through this with him. All those people that were back in Israel are still dead. All his friends and family, they're still gone. God didn't snap his fingers and all of a sudden they came back. Daniel is still in a foreign land. He's still somewhere else. He's still a slave. He didn't get back what he had before. But God walked with him through the circumstance. God was with him the whole time. And some of you are here and you need to hear this. You need to hear this this morning because you're going through something. And I want you to understand this. You're not alone. You're not alone, but if you're waiting for God to come in and just snap his fingers and make everything better, it's not going to happen. God didn't promise to make everything go away. He promised to make, that he would be with you through it. I think what's so cool if we, is, is if we look at later on in the New Testament, we see Paul actually speaks on circumstances and fear. And he says this, he, he says that these fears, these things that we're going through are good things. What? How could those be good things? Why, why would we have to go through those things? How could that could be good for us? Paul tells us that when we go through circumstances, when we go through fears, guess what? It builds in us patience. It builds in us perseverance. It builds in us strength. And you know what we're being built for? We're built to be tools used by God. That's what we're being built for. We're built to be used by God if we're willing to look at it like that. Could you imagine what it would look like if we looked at our fears and we looked at our circumstances as a tool to build us? To build us into what he wants us to be. And then guess what? When we turn our focus on him, when we change our point of view, when we put our focus on Christ, he begins this process in us. What would our lives look like if we just saw our circumstances, if we just saw our situation in a different focus. Instead of seeing them as something to tear us down, something to build us up, and to say, you know what, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to use it for Jesus. I'm going to use it for him. Jesus, even himself, we see he gathers people together, and he tells them something that they'd never been taught before. He tells them something that that they've been against their whole life. We look at John 16, 33. Jesus says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. For some of you, that verse right there is really appealing this morning because you're searching for peace. You need some peace in your life. Keep going. In the world, you will have tribulation, or in other words, trouble. I find too many Christians that think, you know, if I just do everything perfectly, if I just, I keep coming to church and I never miss a Sunday and I keep reading my Bible and I keep doing what God tells me to do, I'm never going to have trouble ever again. I'm never going to have any issues go on in my life. My life will be perfect. Have you guys ever heard the story of Jesus? The man who never sinned? The man who never did anything wrong? And what happened to him? He was crucified. He was crucified for doing nothing wrong. You think you're going to live this perfect life and trouble's never going to bother you as long as you do what God tells you to do? That's not the case. But what does Jesus say right here? But take heart. In other words, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Jesus 
wasn't overcome by his circumstance. Jesus was not overcome by what was going on. He overcame his circumstance. I love this. Let's go even further. Let's, you know, we've looked at the past. We've looked at, you know, stories of history. Let's look to the future. John writes in the book of Revelation, Revelations 12, 11, then we'll finish. Revelations 12, 11 says this, and they have conquered him, him being Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. If you're here this morning and if you're in Christ, you're one of his children. You're going to spend eternity, spend forever in eternity. You're going to be with him. We're going to be together. Some of you are like, oh no, I don't know if I want to be with you. We'll be in eternity forever with our Savior. And guess what? I imagine that during that time, we'll look back and we'll say, wow, why was I so stressed? Why was I so overwhelmed? What, what, what was I afraid of? Because through everything else, God has taught me that I can turn to him. I can focus on him. He is greater. He is able to pull me through no matter what I'm going through. It'd be years later that we would go, you know what? How did I not understand that I could find hope and comfort in him? Could you imagine that? I hope that brings comfort to you this morning to think about that, that someday we're going to look back and go, what was I freaking out about? Some of you might be here this morning and you say you just don't know how tough it's been. This past week, this past month, this past year, you don't know what I've gone through. The things that I've had to, to, to endure that have overwhelmed me. You know what? This morning, I could name a hundred things and still not hit your problem. But I can tell you this. I know my God. And He is greater and He is able. He's greater and able to overcome anything that we're going through and pull us through no matter what. This morning, when you focus on your circumstance, when you focus on it, I promise you, all it's going to bring you is fear and doubt and anxiety. But when you focus on Christ, he brings joy. He brings peace. Here's the key right here. I got this picture of the tomb. The tomb of Jesus. This right here is such a symbol. It's an empty tomb, the tomb of Jesus, the tomb that tells us that Jesus took the best shot this world ever had. That's what that stands for right there. I work at UPS, and uh, every morning I come in and I, I just say good morning to my other employees and stuff like the other people I work with. I say, good morning, how are you doing? And I have this lady she always says this, I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still alive. And I always think, you know, when I hear that statement, Jesus couldn't even say that. Jesus took the worst punishment. He took the worst. He was dead in this tomb right here. You know what this tells us? It tells us that our God is greater and that he is able because he came out of the tomb. And he's still alive today and he's still reigning today. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. 
because our God is greater. Our God is able. And if you're in Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, he's overcome the worst thing possible. And he can do the same thing in you. You've got that same power living in you if you're one of his children. My question for you is this. This morning, do you know him? Do you know him? You know about him. You've heard the stories your whole life. Maybe you've grown up in church and you know all the Bible stories. I didn't say, do you know about him? Do you know him personally? Has there ever been a time where you said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior? Not something that your parents did for you. Not something that some pastor did for you. You yourself. Has there ever been a time where you said, I want you to be my Lord and Savior? For those of you here this morning that do know him, what are you focused on? What are you focused on? I'm going to challenge you this morning. Place it on him. Place it on him. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your situation is, place it on him because he'll give you joy. He'll give you peace. Not overwhelming feeling of doubt and fear, but able to overcome anything. What do you focus on? What are you focusing on right now? This morning, let's focus on Christ. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, the truth is there's many times we take our focus off of you and we put it on our circumstance. Some of us, we're go-getters. We're go-getters and we like to attack a problem head on. But for many of us, we're attacking, we're attacking, and we're losing that battle because we've taken our focus off of you. We've put it onto all of our circumstances, all of our situations. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that that's where they're at, that's where their struggle is, Lord, be with them. Strengthen them this morning. Lord, help them know that they've got their focus on the wrong thing put our focus on you. Because when we do that, you change everything. Lord, let us never forget that. Daniel understood it. Let every single one of us understand that today. We put our focus on you. You're going to walk us through whatever we face. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.